Today on the Get Real Self-Defense Podcast, we are talking about the number one most controversial topic in personal protection, guns. The outlet mall near Dallas. We start hearing, rock, rock, rock. The Atlanta Medical Office. All I see was police cars and SWAT and everybody's just pulling up, pulling up, pulling up, bat it, bat it, bat it, bat Neighbors shot in Cleveland, Texas. A sweet 16 birthday party in Alabama, a Louisville bank. And an elementary school in Nashville. The Gun Violence Archive counts more mass shootings so far this year than days, 199. I've been studying this for 40 years and I've never seen a year like this. Welcome to the Get Real Self-Defense Podcast. Here you get your daily dose of personal protection discussion to help you be more confident and prepared to protect yourself and your loved ones. And now, let's get real with self-defense. Hello and welcome to the Get Real Self-Defense Podcast. I'm Adam Jolly, here to help you train today so you can protect tomorrow. And today, the subject is firearms and self-defense. The unfortunate part about discussing guns in this episode is, in order for me to talk about why it is good or not good for personal protection, I must also cross into some of the political tensions surrounding the idea of guns, particularly in the West take some time to listen as I believe it may be useful to you. And for those of you that already carry, there will be a couple tips that you can use from this to help convince potentially loved ones about the importance of having firearms for self-defense. And I'm not here to argue every little facet, nuance, or detail regarding guns, but simply going to cover the reality of guns, specifically in the U.S., and focus on the uses guns have in keeping yourself safe. First off, As an American, I'll be starting by discussing the concept of the Second Amendment of the Constitution and to give context with this to the theme here. So the Second Amendment basically says this, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This amendment was placed in the Constitution as a right given to us from God to protect ourselves from tyranny. And each and every one of us have that right to bear arms, as in firearms, for personal protection of our lives and freedoms from a tyrannical government. But not just a tyrannical government, but tyranny. Here is the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition as it comes to the word tyranny. The one that I want to focus on right now is option three, which is cruel and unreasonable power and control. Do you think people who set out to murder others in cold blood are tyrannical and fit this definition? I certainly do. Or how about a pedophile or a kidnapper? I think that all these count as tyrannical in action. So these are just a few examples of where it's not just tyrannical governments, which are still relevant, but evil and tyrannical people who are seeking to cause you harm, which can justify you being able to protect yourself up to a firearm. And here's where we start breaching some uncomfortable territory. We're gonna talk about mass shootings. Serbians didn't see it coming. On May 3rd, a 13-year-old boy stormed into a school with his father's two guns and a hit list and killed eight classmates. Communities the across day. the country are searching for answers after a bloody weekend of gun violence. A deadly mass shooting in Illinois on Saturday was followed by shootings in Missouri, Washington State, Idaho, and San Francisco. At least 22 people shot, one person killed. It's kind of becoming something where it's like inescapable. And this is where guns become labeled evil on the public forum, where there are mass shootings, Certain political groups in the U.S. use it as a tool and opportunity to push for gun control, restrictions, or outright bans on the Second Amendment. And there are several problems with this on many levels, both politically and personally. However, when it comes to mass shootings, they are indeed evil most of the time. Now, I did say most of the time on purpose, and the problem is this. 
According to the FBI and Congress and many others, there's not universal definitions on what a mass shooting is. And this can make things come off confusing when you actually look at the data for mass shootings. Here's an example of some of the reasons why it can be confusing. In the United States, the Investigative Assistance for Violent Crimes Act of 2012 defines mass killings as three or more killings in a single incident. However, a congressional research report from the Congressional Research Service specifies four or more killings on indiscriminate victims while excluding violence committed as a means to an end. Media outlets such as CNN and some crime group violence research groups such as Gun Violence Archive define mass shootings as involving four or more shot as an injured or killed in a single incident at the same general time and location, not including the shooter. Mother Jones Magazine defines mass shootings as indiscriminate rampages, killing three or more individuals, excluding the perpetrator, gang violence, and armed robbery. There's a lot there. And these are just some examples, different examples of different groups that have some authority using different standards. First, let's watch some video clips to compare some of this and why this is relevant to our self-defense. Gunfire aimed at elementary school children. We're here in front of the Newtown United Methodist Church where we've watched people gathering all evening long as tonight the details are still pouring in. There are 27 victims, 20 children, seven adults. And we've heard all day about the incredible response by teachers inside the school, which is considered one of the leading schools in the nation. Now that video is absolutely evil, but now we're gonna watch the second clip. An update on a deadly shooting outside a downtown Tampa restaurant. Tonight, the state attorney's office says the shooter was actually the victim, and the shooting was self-defense. They tell us that the victim was punched, stabbed, and beaten by three men before he ended up pulling out a gun and firing. One man was left dead. Two, including the shooter, were injured after a three-on-one brawl outside of Bello Restaurant in downtown Tampa. State Attorney Andrew Warren says the shooting was a clear case of self-defense. I placed these clips back to back to give a comparison. First and foremost, obviously, the evil thing that happened in Sandy Hook in the first clip is just that, straight up evil. No two ways about it. And the second apparently has justification and is good. However, the second clip from Florida counts as a mass shooting according to some of the official channels I shared earlier. And had all three of the assailants died of their wounds, it would have even counted further as a mass shooting according to the FBI. So this is why I personally do not trust news media and statistics on mass shootings and the like, and honestly, neither should you. And this leads me to the next point that I want to make. Are guns evil or good? Well, let's go back and compare the previous videos again. First, both clips had people with guns. Second, both people had someone attacking someone else. Third, both people had someone that had multiple people die around them. But there was a stark difference here. Unfortunately, some of you will not have the ability to acquire a firearm or it will be really difficult to do so. And that is honestly sad and unfortunate because the government is taking away one major tool to keep yourself and others safe while criminals get to do whatever they want. Some of the highest violent crime areas have some of the strictest gun laws. Because I know I'm speaking the obvious here, but it has to be said, murder is already illegal. Rape is illegal. Many drugs are illegal. And yet people in this country and in this world still do things like that on a daily basis. So making guns illegal or hard to acquire for law-abiding citizens is only going to hurt a law-abiding citizen. And that's the person who is responsible, who respects life, who doesn't want to take other people's lives, and those are the ones that are going to get hurt the most when it comes to a violent situation. Those laws only harm us. Just ask former presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard, who is a military veteran, and a Democrat who was denied a firearm for personal protection once. Uh, I had direct experience with, with the negative impact of these restrictive laws. Uh, I had a credible threat on my life. Uh, there was someone who was stalking me, who was threatening to cut off my head with a sword. 
our local police uh, were tracking the case, were helping with security. I was serving on the city council and then in Congress at the time. And given there was a very credible threat on my life and our state laws, similar to New York, requiring probable cause for a concealed carry permit to be issued, before going through the whole process of filing the application, which you could do, I just asked, uh, I asked a senior leader at our local police department, hey, if I'm going to go through all this trouble and apply for a concealed carry permit for the purposes of self-defense, given a credible threat that the police were very, very familiar with, would it be approved? He said immediately, no, it won't. He said, you can apply, but I'm telling you it won't because it never is revealing this facade of the law is like, oh yeah, sure, prove probable cause and then we'll consider it. No, it's up to them. They make the decision. And in this case, they never found probable cause for anyone. If a politician can be and will be denied, so can you. And this should alarm you because the same people writing these laws are the same ones armed with security guards. And I hope one day, People in those gun-free areas in the country and in the world are able to wake up to this fact because according to gunfacts.info through the United States Concealed Carry Association, it defines gun-free zones in particular to be the most popular target for school shooters desiring to cause mass violence. Further, using the gunfacts.info mass shooting database, which contains 71 of the mass shootings according to FBI definition, documented from 1988 to 2019, more than 85% of the mass shootings were perpetrated in gun-free zones. And that's a big key. Gun-free zones are the main target, according to this study. That includes 17 workplaces, 12 schools, 5 churches, and 3 shopping malls. And as reported by gunfacts.info, in addition to gun-free zones, some mass shootings with the highest fatalities have another common factor defined by gunfacts.info. They occurred in cattle pen scenarios. Many people in a crowded area, which is required in limited exits or exit capacity, and or a few or no places to take cover. Shooters research these locations when they can pen in large numbers of potential victims, which can give them a higher body count in those situations. Marksmanship becomes less relevant or even irrelevant, and simply firing in the crowd will result in deaths. According to the review, GunFacts observed certain years showing dramatically large spikes in terms of the number of victims of such attacks. They noted the most prominent of spikes were in the years of Virginia Tech, Sandy Hook, Pulse Nightclub, Las Vegas Music Festival, and Sutherland Springs Church shootings. The average number of fatalities of those events is 5.4 times larger than the average for all other events in the 21st century. This is the insane thing to me about politics of it all. We protect judges, politicians, rock stars, actresses, and TikTok stars with armed security. But our teachers and staff are meant to teach the children and guide. And we're not protecting our kids at school properly the same way that we are protecting those that are the rich and the famous. And we as a society should afford our future generations with the same level of protective measures as the rich and famous. And that's a huge deal. The short and simple answer is this. Guns are not good and guns are not evil. They are simply a tool welded by someone who decides to use it for good or evil purposes. Hammers, baseball bats, knives, screwdrivers, toothbrushes, rocks, and cars are all things that have been used to murder others in the past, and none of these tools were made specifically to kill. However, guns were made to kill as a primary function, and it is extremely good at this task, but it is only as good or as bad as its wielder. Let's imagine a scenario for a moment, and keep in mind that this scenario may be graphic for listening ears, so proceed with caution. Imagine a woman is walking down the street, and a man comes out of the alleyway and grabs her, attempting to drag her into the alleyway from for some nefarious reason. Woman struggles to break free, screaming, and claws the man in the face. The man howls and temporarily loosens his grip on the woman, and the woman slowly is breaking free but can't quite separate herself from him. Enraged at being clawed, 
The man begins to subsequently beat the woman in the face repeatedly, slamming her into the alleyway walls and then throws her on the ground and proceeds to kick her before he pulls out a pistol and shoots her six times in the chest. The woman is later found dead at the scene. Now, let's do that scenario again. And this time, the ending's gonna be a little different. Imagine a woman's walking down the street, a man comes out of the alleyway and grabs her, attempting to drag her into the alleyway for some nefarious means. Woman struggles to break free, screaming, and claws the man in the face. The man howls and temporarily loosens his grip on the woman. The woman is slowly breaking free, but can't quite separate herself from him. Enraged at being clawed, the man begins to subsequently beat the woman in the face repeatedly, slamming her into the alleyway walls, throws her to the ground, and proceeds to kick her. During this time, the woman had reached for a pistol under her clothing and shot the man six times in the chest. The man falls to the ground like a ton of bricks and dies. The only real change in this scenario is who had the gun and what it was used for. One was evil and one was justified and good. Both had someone die at the hands of someone holding a pistol and both started with a man being tyrannical against the woman. So again, consider the fact that the simple truth is this. Guns are a tool for good or evil depending on who is using it and for what reason. Guns are not good or evil themselves. The intentions and actions behind them are what counts. It does not matter the politics. This is simply the truth. To drive this home, let's again watch some more clips of innocents using firearms against bad tyrannical people to keep themselves safe. 11-year-old Chris Gaither was home alone Wednesday morning when he heard a noise. Someone had broken into his house. Scared, Chris grabbed a 9mm handgun. When he's come downstairs and told me he's going to kill me and F you all that, I shot through a hamper that he was carrying. And it, went, it was a full metal jacket bullet. I went straight to the bag of him and was like... Chris's mother says this man has robbed their house before. They don't know him personally. Chris credits his stepdad for his shooting skills. Workers at a food bank in College Park find themselves right in the middle of a police chase. A quick-thinking Army veteran sprung into action when volunteers saw the suspect run to the back with a gun. The food bank security cameras capture the car chase suspect on the move. Then William Joyner, who's feeding Georgia family's chief manager, went out back to confront the guy. I was telling him, I was like, don't make me kill you, because I will. In the nick of time, backup came in. I've continued telling him, put that hand up where I can see it. And at that point, luckily, a College Park police officer came running around with his taser out, and the guy put his hand up then. College Park Police say Shelley and 21-year-old James Green fled from officers in a stolen car on Roosevelt Highway. That car wrecked and took out a whole bus stop, ending the chase. Both face obstruction charges, while Green was also charged with theft and criminal damage to property. Here's the gun that Joyner says police recovered. There wasn't much time to think about it in the moment. I just knew what, to me, was right. And Joyner thanks his army training for his quick thinking actions. He said if he had to do it all over again, he'd do it in a heartbeat. So now that we've covered a little bit on the morality of guns, let's cover getting started with guns. Believe it or not, there have been a ton of first time gun buyers in the last couple of years. And why is that? Well, I think it maybe has something to do with the rising levels of crime, inflation, housing costs, food shortages. Take your pick. Thing is, you are, like I said in previous podcast episodes, your own best first responders. Cops won't be able to respond at the same level or quickness as you can, and you are the best line of defense for you and your loved ones. So here are some tips with getting started with firearms. First off, do research. Firearms are beautiful and a deadly tool, and it is very big responsibility to carry one and even bigger to shoot one. Look up gun videos, read articles, 
United States Concealed Carry Association, for instance, is a great resource for much of this as they also cover legal aspects of shooting in self-defense as well. I'm not sponsored by them. I just wanted to share a resource that I personally find a lot of value in. And obviously you can check out the National Rifle Association as well. Second, go shoot. Funny enough, people, you know, you need to buy a gun first before you really know if you like it or not. And so in order to avoid this and buying something you don't want, it's better to just go to a gun shop and a gun range and rent out a gun so that you can go shoot or borrow it from a buddy or someone else you know. And once you've done this, buy the firearm. But then you need to practice with it. And this is the most important part that gun owners fail to do. You cannot just throw a gun in your waist and call it good. You have to put in the time and the training or else you're putting yourself and others at risk. How is your driving capability the first time you ever drove compared to now? If you had only drove once and then never drove again, you would not have improved your ability and under pressure in a bad car crash potential situation, you may not have reacted appropriately to that scenario. The same goes with guns. You won't be comfortable under pressure and you won't be able to perform without practice. You can also practice in a lot of ways that do not require actually shooting bullets. The cert pistol from Next Level Training, for instance, is an excellent tool that allows you to train without firing any rounds whatsoever, and you can do it safely from the comfort of your own home. Even though guns are great, if you are skilled in hand-to-hand self-defense aspects of personal protection, it will mean you have more options at your disposal that you can use before you ever have to use a firearm. Imagine if you didn't know how to do anything physically to fight back, and you just skipped straight to guns and just shoot someone that is fighting you. That is straight up stupid. You are obligated to know how to protect yourself leading up to the point of deadly force, which means you need to have physical skills to back you up and help you and assist you so that you can recognize when deadly force is necessary with a firearm because you have exhausted all the other options possible at your disposal. So the biggest thing to take away from guys with this whole thing is the fact that focus on ways to protect ourselves and our loved ones in our local areas. And one of the best ways to do that is to have a firearm. Just realize that if you are, and I'm assuming you are a good person, you are responsible and you mean well, you want to protect yourself and your loved ones, then who but you should carry a firearm because you're going to be responsible. You're going to be good. You're going to avoid shooting it as much as possible unless you absolutely have to. And that's why training and training physical skills as well as the shooting skills will make you a better person because you'll have the ability to do monstrous things if you chose to, but you're not going to choose to because you're a good person. And because of that, it makes it very, very powerful to have you as a responsible armed citizen and as an arbiter to protect yourself and others. It makes it that much better because if every good person were to carry, we'd have a lot less crime. We'd have a lot less issues because everybody that is good, that is carrying is out to be protectors and not wolves or aggressors. So with that, guys, that is the end of this episode of the Get Real Self-Defense Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, whether you are watching it on YouTube or you are listening wherever you are listening to this podcast, if you want to just jump into the YouTube comment section and give me your hot take on firearms when it comes to self-defense, if you have a personal story, if you have anything like that that is relevant to this topic, I would love to hear it. I would love to hear your thoughts. You know, what particularly do you think is the most important aspect of self-defense when it comes to firearms? Share that down in the comment section below. And with that, guys, I appreciate you. Train today, protect tomorrow. I will catch you guys next time. Oh, 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 oh,